It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast alongside Rob Rang. We're only a few days away from game day in Atlanta. Seahawks looking to get back in the win column against a 1-6 Falcons squad. We'll open up the show with the latest news out of the VMAC. Some interesting injuries to monitor rolling into week 8. In the second quarter, we'll look at the previous series history between the Seahawks and Falcons. They've played some interesting games over the years. And then we'll tie up loose ends looking at what's new with the Falcons, including their 2019 draft class that has plenty of local flavor. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. A few new names on the injury report this week. First things first, fans, don't panic. Don't freak out. Russell Wilson is good to go. He's ready to roll. He's going to start his 120th straight game on Sunday. It's crazy that he has started every single game in his eight years in the NFL. Oh, it's a remarkable testament to it, to his toughness, uh, his durability, and that spatial awareness that we've talked about before. It just seems like he, he can feel the hits coming, and he puts himself out of harm's way, as well as any quarterback I've ever seen. Yeah, there was never any doubt that he was going to be playing this week. He was a full participant in practice on Wednesday and today with a knee injury. So it sounds like it was just something they were icing and they were making sure after a few years ago when they didn't have Richard Sherman on the injury report and the league ended up reprimanding that, them for that. They were making sure they had everybody listed, but he's going to be good to go. There are a few injuries, though, that are worth monitoring here as we get closer to this Week 8 matchup, starting with Jermaine Effetti. He was a full participant on Wednesday, but he sat out Thursday's practice with a knee injury, and that's kind of a big deal, Rob, because George Fant has also been limited the last two days with a shoulder issue, and they've already had Dwayne Brown out with a biceps injury. He's returned in a limited capacity, but we don't know if he's going to be ready to return this weekend either, so you've got three of your tackles. The only tackle they've got that's healthy has been playing right guard, and that's Jamarco Jones. Yeah, exactly. And, and you would be asking Jamarco Jones to, to make his first career start at the tackle position, uh, at least in the regular season, um, and, and making that transition from, as you said, playing guard. So, yeah, I, I don't think this is kind of a big story. I think it's a potentially huge story. You know, I mean, everybody's focusing on the fact that the that the Falcons only have, what, a handful of sacks so far this season. But they, they still have Vic Beasley. They still have Grady Jarrett, albeit, you know, he's struggling with injuries of his own. Uh, but these are some explosive players, tackle mckinley i remember him back at ucla there's a reason why he was a first round pick and and of course dan quinn is is fighting for his job right now so uh, i think that this is one of those letdown kind of games i mean obviously seattle's coming off of a loss so you wouldn't think that they'd have a letdown but if everybody is just focusing on the fact that the falcons walk into this game one and six i think that's a mistake the falcons actually uh you know on paper at least match up pretty darn well against Seattle especially when it comes to the pass rush and I think that's something that again Seattle has to be real concerned about um, given the tackle injuries that you talked about. Jermaine Effetti has played really well 
the last couple weeks. The Cleveland game, he held his own against his former college teammate, Miles Garrett. I know he's been under a ton of heat from fans over the years, but I think he's really made strides. He kind of started the beginning of the year slow, but the last few games, I feel like he's played really well. And as well as Jamarco Jones has played, like you said, that'll be his first start playing at tackle in a regular season game. And even though that's his natural position, that is still an adjustment going from guard to tackle, especially against some of the speedy rushers that the Falcons are going to be bringing to the table here. So this is definitely a big deal if Afedi cannot go. And again, it could just be an instance where he banged his knee against somebody yesterday and they were just giving him a day off. We'll have to wait and see what happens tomorrow as they release their final injury report. But if he's sidelined again tomorrow and he's listed as a game-time decision, that is definitely a big deal, especially with Brown's status being uncertain. And George Fant, from what I've been told, he should be okay to go. They're just taking it easy on him this week. But if you don't have to Wayne Brown and you don't have Jermaine Effetti, you're going to have both your backup tackles in the lineup. And if one of those guys somehow gets banged up during the game and you have to replace them, now the Seahawks are in a really difficult position because they don't have any other true tackles on their depth chart right now. Yeah, that, that would be disaster mode. I think that would be a you know obviously something that the, the Seahawks have to kind of prepare for. I, I'd like to think, um, just based on the fact that the Jermaine Effetti injury kind of popped up out of nowhere, as you said, Corbin, maybe they just bang knees and they're giving them a day off. I think it's you know it's important to note this is this is week eight, obviously the halfway point in the NFL regular season, and neither one of these teams has had their bye, and so there is a possibility that maybe they are just giving Effetti or some of their other veteran off offensive lineman a little bit more of a rest and perhaps this is much ado about nothing but if it is not and no one knows that except for the Seahawks at this point if it is not then again I think that they have to be very concerned about it and the 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 explosive kind of downfield passing attack that I think that the Falcons have been very vulnerable to all year long they've given up 17 touchdowns and only two interceptions so far this season Seattle's going to have to kind of cut that back um, they're not going to be able to to afford to try and give Russell Wilson the time to look downfield for big plays because, uh, again, if you don't have your tackles, then you're not going to be able to, uh, you know, to to have those long dropbacks that, that Russell Wilson has uh, has been so effective at in the past. That really does play into the Falcons' hands if the Seahawks have both their tackles out and they've got backups in, as well as Fant played last weekend. And obviously Jones has done a nice job at right guard. Had a little more trouble this past weekend against the Ravens, but that was a little tougher assignment too. The Ravens' interior guys are are pretty darn good, but as well as those guys have played. If you got both those backup tackles in, it does make life a little easier for the edge rushers. There's certainly some talented guys that have underperformed for the Falcons, but if they're going against reserves, that could be a breakout game for them. And this is a team that I feel like the best way to expose them defensively, as you mentioned, is that deep ball downfield. They have not proven all year long they can stop that. Their run defense is actually pretty solid. So the Seahawks obviously want to run the football, but this seems to me like a game that would be advantageous to be able to get that football moving downfield and really be aggressive with your passing attack because the Falcons have not proven they can stop it. But if you don't have the time in the pocket, if you're Russell Wilson, you can't uh, get enough time to throw the ball downfield, then that advantage suddenly is a moot point. And so that is a really big deal in this football game. And I'm really interested to see 
what we find out tomorrow with these guys because everything I'd been told going into this week, the Seahawks were confident Dwayne Brown was going to be able to return after missing two games, but he's still limited and they're trying to, as Pete Carroll said, protect the player from himself because if it's just up to him, he's going to be in the lineup, but the doctors want to make sure that he is healthy enough, that he's good to go and he's not going to re-injure it or somehow injure it worse than already was by coming back too quickly. So this is something that's certainly worth monitoring. There are some other injuries as well. We'll break down more of those tomorrow once we get the final injury report for our Friday podcast. My bookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at MyBookie. Visit MyBookie.ag today. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. After a quick break, Rob and I will be back to look back at the Seahawks and Falcons all-time series, and we're going to really take an in-depth look at the last three times these teams have played, including a playoff contest in Atlanta. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back, 12s. This is the Locked On Seahawks Podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, alongside Rob Rang. Later in the show, we'll take a look at what's new for the Atlanta Falcons, including Rob's weekly insight on their 2019 draft class. First off, let's take a look at the all-time series here between the Seahawks and the Falcons. Seattle leads the all-time series 10-8, but Atlanta has won the two most meaningful games in the series, both the playoff games between these teams. The Falcons have been victorious. So we're going to take a look back at the last few times they've played. There have been some intense regular season battles between these teams, and I'm going to actually go back to 2016 to start this off, Rob. Uh, This game was at CenturyLink Field, and the Seahawks were actually trailing the Falcons late in this game, 24-17. to Matt Ryan throws a touchdown pass against broken coverage, and it looks like the Seahawks are going to drop this one. And this is before the Legion of Boom was gone. So Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas were all playing in this game, and yet the Seahawks were down seven points. But this was such an even game. Both teams had 22 first downs. And the Seahawks were able to tie the game up with a Christian Michael a touchdown. I almost said Christian Michael fumble because I was so used to saying that when he was with the Seahawks. <laughs> so he scores a touchdown, and it's followed up by a huge interception from Earl Thomas. They go down and kick the winning field goal. But really, this game was most memorable for how it ended. And I know the Falcons, I'm sure Falcons fans, are still upset with the way that game ended in the closing minutes. Yeah, it, it was just such a disputed call. You know, I mean, it was Richard Sherman and Julio Jones both going up for the ball. And I think you could make the argument that there was pass interference there. And and who knows how that would be ruled in today's era, you know, where they could do the replay and, you know, watch it from every single angle and slow it down. But 
That, that's one of the things that I just remember most about. It seems like every single time the Seahawks and the Falcons play is that they are competitive games. And, um, you know, we're going to talk about one of the playoff games there where it kind of it looks a little bit, um, you know, out of control. Seattle lost by double digits. It's almost like that Baltimore game. Um, just this last week, that it was a closer game than the final score came down to. And certainly um, their regular season game at CenturyLink, as you mentioned, um, was a very close game and, and a hard-fought physical game. And, and I think that's I think that's more about what we can expect this week as well, that, You know, especially if Matt Ryan, of course, is is playing for the Falcons. Just We, we talked before about uh, Russell Wilson and his durability. Matt Ryan's been essentially the same thing. And, and if he is, in fact, available in this game, then I would expect basically for this game to – to match what we've seen in the past, to to uh, Pro Bowl caliber quarterbacks um, and to fast defenses, not always the most physical, especially in Atlanta's side, but um, at the same time, very very fast. And um, and if you can make a team a little bit one dimensional on the offensive side, that fast defense can, can can create a lot of problems. So that's that's why I remember from that game is just how competitive it was, and that it did come down to the final seconds and a very controversial call. I also remember the Seahawks were able to get a lot of pressure on Matt Ryan that particular day. They still had Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill. If I remember correctly, I don't have the stats in front of me right this second, but Cliff Averill wreaked havoc in that game. I'm sure Matt Ryan was getting really sick of seeing him in the backfield. So a little different than now where the Seahawks are still trying to find that pass rush. They still had most of their dominant defense back in 2016 together. The whole secondary was still there, but the Falcons gave them a game like they always do. That's the last time the Seahawks beat the Falcons. They played each other later that season in the playoffs, January 2017. The Seahawks traveling to Atlanta in the divisional round, and this one did not go as well as the first meeting. As you mentioned, the lopsided score maybe doesn't reflect what the game was really like, 36-20 to final score, but what I most remember about that particular game a lot of people were thinking the Falcons in this rematch were going to blow the Seahawks out. And then Seattle came out on their opening drive. They chewed up nearly 10 minutes of clock. And Russell Wilson hit Jimmy Graham for a, a I believe it was a seven-yard touchdown. And it gave him a quick 7 nothing lead. Then the Falcons marched down and they scored. And it took them all the way into the second quarter. So two really methodical drives that finished with touchdowns. The Seahawks had the lead early in the second quarter, 10-7, to and it looked like they were going to be game. And unfortunately, uh, some plays didn't go their way in that second quarter that really changed the momentum in this ballgame. Yeah, what, as you mentioned with Earl Thomas, uh, you know, or, or the just Legion of Boone being together back in you know 2016, of course, um, you know, it, I remember that this was the game that, that it just really was apparent that Earl Thomas was out. Um, you know, he of course had broken his leg at that point and, and was out for this game, and and that was one of the reasons why I was among those who thought that Atlanta would roll Seattle, um, just because this was this was Matt Ryan's MVP season. I mean, he was absolutely fantastic that year, um, and, and the, the year that the that the Falcons wound up going, I believe, to the Super Bowl that year, certainly the NFC Championship game, and, and they just had so many weapons. I mean, if, of course Julio Jones, but you know, Devontae Freeman and, and Tevin Coleman were really rolling. Um, you know, Mohamed Sanu. I mean, they, they were a, a team that was um, just so explosive in so many different ways. Um, and, and so I, the, the lack of Earl Thomas was such a, a, such a huge part of it. And, and so I, I mentioned that just because, of course, Seattle has their safety concerns again this year uh, with, with this particular game. And so to me, that's one of the fascinating things. I can't wait until tomorrow's breakdown because, as you mentioned, we were, we we're kind of looking 
looking forward to finding out what Seattle is going to do on the offensive line. I'm very curious to see what they're going to do at the safety position because whether it be Matt Ryan or whether it be Matt Schaub, this is still obviously a very green Seattle secondary um, and something that Atlanta can take advantage of. Yeah, Stephen Terrell was playing free safety in that game, and I remember there was a play where Devontae Freeman ran a Texas route, and then Stephen Terrell came up trying to make the tackle, and it didn't go very well for him. It was a play that you were used to seeing Earl Thomas being able to make, and Freeman ended up racing almost to the end zone, and it was just one of those kind of games. They just had enough injuries, and obviously the Thomas one was huge, really affected their secondary and their defense as a whole. Deshaun Shedd tore his ACL in that game, too, so then they were down one of their starting corners, and you're going against one of the best passing attacks in football. But really, the game-changing play was in the second quarter, the Seahawks were pinned deep in their own territory, and uh, Reese Odiambo stepped on Russell Wilson's foot and he stumbled and they were deep like I said they were deep in their own territory ended up getting brought down for a safety and th- that was a real problem because suddenly it's 10 to 9 the Falcons go down eventually they are up 19 to 10 26 to 10 and that's when things really snowballed because Seattle had a lot of momentum before that point they had a, a long punt return from Devin Hester that was return was overturned by a questionable penalty that was called against Kevin Pierre Lewis and there was just a number of things once those happened you can't afford to have mistakes like that when you're the underdog and uh, they just kind of ran out of gas they looked like they might have a comeback in them in the fourth quarter but it never came to fruition and ended up dropping that game by 16 now let's talk about the last time these teams played they didn't play last year a rare occasion where the Falcons and Seahawks did not meet. But in 2017, it was a night game at CenturyLink Field, and man, was this an instant classic. The Falcons win 34-31. to I hate to bring up that this has happened because of what happened last week, but one of the huge plays in that football game, Adrian, Adrian Claiborne returns a fumble for a touchdown, 18 yards in that game. They won by three points, so that ended up being a huge difference maker when you spot the other team points in a road game, and they end up losing by three, but it was a really exciting back-and-forth game. Russell Wilson and Matt Ryan going uh, going at it. Matt Ryan didn't even get to the 200 yards passing mark, but he didn't throw any picks, and he had two touchdowns, so he was very efficient with his opportunities. He was. He's typical Matt Ryan. And as, as you mentioned, Seattle with the turnover issues. I mean, Russell Wilson did have an interception in that game. And, and then the, the fumble, uh, as you mentioned, I mean, it's, that's, the, that's the MO. I mean, that, that's what, what you know, any Pete Carroll club, if they win the turnover battle, they generally win. They, they certainly are a more talented team than the Atlanta Falcons, and they, they certainly have been playing better. Obviously, their their, their record uh, indicates that. Um, but that's the thing. When, when you're playing on the road, if you lose – I mean, if you're playing at home, but certainly if you're playing on the road and you lose a turnover battle, it doesn't matter what the records are. You can just throw all that stuff out the window. And, um, I, again, this was another close football game. Um, you know, Seattle won the first down battle and ended up losing the game. Um, Seattle had 26. Atlanta had, had – only had or had 22 um you know seattle had more total yards they had more time of possession they averaged more yards per play i mean they, this was a game that they it, all all the indication was they were going to win and yet they wound up being on the short side of the sticks yet again late in the game this is this is one of like i said it was an instant classic sheldon richardson gets a huge sack late the seahawks had clawed back to within 34 31 he sacks Matt Ryan right inside the two-minute warning. Seahawks call timeout. They get the football back. Wilson drives them downfield, a bunch of short passes, and there's seven seconds left on the clock. It's second and ten after they spike the football. They were out of timeouts. 
52-yard field goal opportunity for Blair Walsh, who unfortunately, ever since missing that kick against the Seahawks in the playoffs several years ago, it just has never been able to recover from that. He missed several game-ending kicks that season, and this was one of them. 52 yards, not an easy field goal by any means, but ended up being short on the kick, and that was with seven seconds to go. Matt Ryan takes a knee, game over. So uh, this was this ended up being a huge loss for the Seahawks because they were 9-7, and seven, missed the playoffs. If they win that game and they win the Redskins game, I mean, they had a couple others too. End of the year against the Cardinals, they lost that game. This team could have had 11 or 12 wins if a couple kicks would have gone their way and who knows what the Seahawks do the following offseason some of those Legion of Boom members may still be in Seattle but uh, we know what happened they ended up missing the playoffs and decided to blow some stuff up got rid of some players so this is one of those games that really ended up turning out to have major consequences for the Seattle Seahawks not just that season but for the future Peloton is offering a limited time offer get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use promo code LOCKED to get started. When we come back, we are going to look at the current Falcons. What's new for Dan Quinn's struggling team? We'll be right back on the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings, and no matter what you bet or how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm Corbin Smith with my co-host Rob Rang. The Falcons will be hosting the Seahawks this upcoming Sunday. It's been a pretty tough season for Atlanta. They were getting a lot of their players back after having an injury-ravaged 2018 season, and expectations were really high for the Falcons coming into 2019. And yet, here we are. They've lost five straight games. They're 1-6, and six, last place in the NFC South It's just been a really challenging year for them. Now they lose Matt Ryan potentially for a little bit of time. We'll have to wait and see. He hasn't practiced yet this week. Have to wait and see if he's available. But let's talk about what's changed with this Falcons squad, Rob. Uh, Looking at additions, they really didn't make any major moves in the offseason from an additions and departures standpoint. They really felt their team was ready to contend with a lot of these guys coming back from injury. So they didn't do a lot in the offseason. Didn't make a lot of signings. Didn't 
allow a lot of guys to leave, but they did bolster their offensive line. They brought in Jamon Brown and James Carpenter, and they also brought back Adrian Claiborne along the defensive line. Yeah, they, they did make a lot of, of moves in terms of player personnel, but they, they made some significant uh, changes with their coaching staff. Um, you know, getting rid of uh, Steve Sarkeesian as, as well as Mark Manuel at both the offensive and defensive coordinator spots, respectively. And, and so that's significant. Um, you know, Dan Quinn, of course, the Al fans all know uh, that Dan Quinn was the, the, the Seahawks defensive coordinator for a while. Um, and, and so he was, you know, so, so revered here and, and justifiably so. Um, brought in Bob Sutton, who spent a lot of time in Kansas City, um, and then brought in uh, Dirk Cutter, the, the former Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach, um, as his offensive coordinator. And just things just have not gone as, as planned. And I think a big part of that is the fact that the Falcons have just been a snake bit at just about any team in the all of the NFL until when it comes to injuries. Um, and, and so you mentioned some of the players that they've brought in, including um, a, a talented rookie class. But again, the, the injuries have been a huge part um, of one of the reasons why I believe that the, the Falcons have been the most disappointing team in all of the NFL this year. A lot of injuries, and they've also had a lot of unexplainable breakdowns on defense. Uh, Going back and watching several of their games, you would think a defense coached by Dan Quinn wouldn't have a lot of the assignment breakdowns they have, and I'm sure having some backups in there impacts that. But it's definitely been a nightmare for them from a schematic standpoint this season for much of the year. Their offense has been kind of hit and miss. They've put up a lot of yardage, uh, but there have been games they haven't been able to finish drives, and then defensively, they've kind of basically been a turnstile against other teams. They've allowed teams to rack up a ton of points, mainly through the passing game. So it's just been a crazy year in Atlanta. And unfortunately for Dan Quinn, right now he's on the hottest of hot seats because of it. Uh, As far as departures go for Atlanta, there is one that's ended up being a lot more notable than I think people realized it was going to be. Tevin Coleman leaves, goes to the 49ers, reunites with Kyle Shanahan, who was the Falcons offensive coordinator when they went to the Super Bowl a few years back. So he was excited to bring Coleman back into the fold in San Francisco. He's been a great addition to their offense for the undefeated San Francisco 49ers. And meanwhile, the Falcons have not been able to get that ground game rolling at all with Devontae Freeman. And they've really missed having Tevin Coleman back there as his running mate. No, they really have. I mean, I, I'm among those who, who thinks that Devontae Freeman is a better back than Tevin Coleman. But, uh, you know, it hasn't been proven out this year. Um, and Devontae Freeman has really struggled. Atlanta's entire offensive line, despite having multiple first-round picks, um, including a couple invested this year. Um, Alex Mack is, is a terrific player, as is Jake Matthews. Uh, James Carpenter, former Seahawk, uh, is, is a player that, while he was kind of you know berated a lot while he was in Seattle, he's a big physical sucker. He's exactly what um, what, what Atlanta has been lacking. They, they've been lacking some of those the, the physicality at the point of attack on both the offensive and defensive lines has been kind of the M.O. of how to beat the, the so-called dirty birds is just to punch them in the mouth. Um, and, and so that uh, has, unfortunately for the Falcons, been a huge part of, of their of their struggles this year. Uh, Matt Ryan has still played well. He's thrown the heck out of the ball in terms of statistics. But uh, at the same time, because he's had four fumbles, um, because he, he has more interceptions so far this year than he had all of last year, um, and a big part of that is because he's getting a lot of pressure in his face. And, uh, and so that, to me, is, is something that, 
uh, that Seattle's going to have to take full advantage of. We, we talked about you know a week ago that I, you know we weren't expecting Seattle to get a lot of sacks necessarily against Baltimore. This is the game where you have to start getting some pressure, um, whether it be Matt Ryan or Matt Schaub. You have two sitting ducks back there, um, and so this is a game that we, we can talk all we want about um, the, the, the Falcons and who they've gained or who they've lost. But this is a game that I think it's more about Seattle. Yeah, looking at the injury report, you mentioned the injury issues. Matt Ryan, obviously, he's been out this week so far dealing with an ankle injury. He exited Sunday's loss uh, to the Rams with that injury. Matt Schaub is getting tuned up here, getting tuned up to start for him. And obviously, Matt Schaub has started a lot of games in this league, but he's 38 years old. He's only played a handful of snaps over the last three years as a backup. So it's been a while since he's played some meaningful snaps and a a experienced seasoned guy, uh, but still hasn't played many snaps recently. They've got some other injuries right now worth noting. Keanu Neal's out for the season, and that was unfortunate. Missed most of last year with an ACL injury. Now has an Achilles tear, so he's kind of their Will Disley. They're a young, talented player that just cannot avoid injury and has missed most of the past two seasons. And you mentioned James Carpenter. Carpenter is actually out right now. He's been sidelined the past couple days, so that would affect their offensive line. And to me, this is the one I've got circled, aside from Matt Ryan, that is extremely important to watch. Grady Jarrett, who they just gave a monster extension to a few months ago, a really good defensive tackle. He right now has missed the last couple days of practice as well. And if he's not in there, this is a Falcons defense that's been pretty darn good against the run. But if they don't have Grady Jarrett in this game, I think suddenly that opens things up for the Seahawks to be able to get that ground game going because he is such an integral part in the middle of that defense being able to stuff the run. No, you're absolutely right. And it's, it's funny because he, he's so different than the, the big behemoth players that the Baltimore Ravens had and helping them stuff Seattle's run a, a week ago. Um, he's more, I, I hate to say the name Aaron Donald, but he's more in that role. I mean, he is a, a, he's a smaller. Yes, he's a smaller, quicker, penetrating, three-technique defensive tackle. I mean, he's just a classic guy. Um, and, and so he's going to give Seattle some trouble. Now, if they have this, the quicker Jamarco Jones inside at guard, then I think that they're a little bit better, um, even if Grady Jarrett plays. And if they have DJ Fluker inside, then you absolutely have to run the ball right at Grady Jarrett and, and let your let your big boys in the middle, um, whether it be a potty or whether it be Fluker, just absolutely punish them and use that, that 50, 75-pound weight advantage that they're going to have um, and, and use that to wear him down. But as we talked about before the Falcons have been a lot better against the run than you might think um, only allowing 3.7 yards per carry this year that, that's that's among the top 10 and 11 in all of the NFL and that's not necessarily what you're expecting from a team that's one in six um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention some of the, the rookie players we talked about that before but it just hasn't been a, a year where the Falcons despite investing two first round picks uh, you know have had a lot of um, of contribution from the rookies the the one who's actually been the, the most effective at least in my opinion and you know far be it from me to, to to pound the table for a former husky and a morris trophy award winner but caleb mcgarry has just shown his toughness um the right tackle from washington now he's a starter for right tackle uh for the falcons as well 
he, he's had so many different things over his career, over his college, high school career um, that have gone wrong for him, and it's just taught him that resiliency. Um, and, and he's a really good football player. So I, I'm excited for him to be able to play against his uh, you know so-called hometown Seahawks um, in this game. And I, but at the same time, I also think this is a, this, he's still a rookie. He's somebody that Seattle's going to have to try and take advantage of because as effective as he is, he is still somebody that uh, you know that, again is a rookie has a lack of experience um, in the NFL, and, and so that's something that Seattle is going to have to try and exploit. Seattle will get to see one of Atlanta's first-round picks. They picked two offensive linemen in the first round, McGarry being one of them, but they picked Chris Lindstrom, the guard out of Boston College, with the 14th selection in the first round, and unfortunately, he's been on injured reserve, and he's not eligible to come back until next week. I believe next week is when he can return to practice, uh, but the Falcons have been without him. They may not have James Carpenter in this game either, so we can continue to, to beat this idea home, but it's 110% true. The Seahawks have no excuse for not being able to generate a pass rush this week. The Falcons offensive line went at full strength has struggled to protect Matt Ryan this year. And Matt Ryan is not the beacon of movement necessarily, but he looks like Michael Vick next to Matt Schaub. It's just, <laughs> that's the honest truth. Matt, at this point of Schaub's career, I mean, there may have been a time that he was able to move the pocket fairly well. Uh, but Matt Schaub is very close to the end of his career. 38 years old. He's still a guy that can pick you apart if he's got time in the pocket. But with that offensive line being banged up, and they've already been pretty bad when they've been at full strength, The Seahawks have no excuse, as I said. At this point, that front four should be able to feast. And if they can't, then I think you really do need to start being worried. You don't want to overreact to one game. But we're now going to be at the halfway point of the year. And if they can't get this going against a team like this, then you've got to start to wonder, are they ever going to get it going? Especially with this being Jaron Reed's second game back, you would expect him to be more effective than the first game. Maybe that's the difference maker that helps Jadevian Clowney, Ziggy Ansah, and company. But again... If they can't get it going in this game with the quarterbacks that they're going to have potentially playing back there, one, if he plays, being injured, and the other one just can't move hardly at all, if they can't get a pass rush then, then it becomes really problematic for a team that otherwise looks like they're they're pretty well set up to be a contender in the NFC. That would be a major flaw to have continuing to linger at the midway point of the season. It potentially is. Uh, if Dirk Cutter is going to use the the, the deep passing game that uh, he likes to use, um, then whether it be Matt Schaub or Matt Ryan, then I, I do believe that Seattle has to get home in this game. Um, you know, they 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 just are, are too talented on the defensive line, and Atlanta is too beaten up um, to not be able to create some pressure. That said. I do believe in the Atlanta Falcons' talent as well as their coaching staff. And I think that they're smart enough to realize that, that Seattle's coming in kind of licking their chops a little bit. And so I do believe that whether it be Matt Ryan or Schaub, that they're going to check down a lot to their backs, a lot to Austin Hooper. Um, and so I think that this is one of those games, again, that if Seattle is not able to get their pass rush, as long as they tackle at the linebacker position especially, then I think that they're going to be okay. And because you have the best linebacking core in all of the NFL, um, then I, I I think that this, again, sets up as a game that Seattle should be able to control as long as they don't turn the football over. We'll get a chance tomorrow to dive in more on this matchup, looking at some key matchups, as well as devising our game plan for the week. Really looking forward to it. We kind of started to delve into it a little bit there. We're itching for Friday. We're itching for game day here on Locked on Seahawks. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at CorbinSmithNFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. If you'd like to be a featured sponsor for our podcast, you can contact me, LockedSeahawks at gmail.com. 
Make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever your preferred podcast platform is by visiting our website, LockedOnSeahawks.com. As I just mentioned, coming up on Friday's show, as always, we're going to look at some matchups to watch in this Seahawks-Falcons game, and we're going to devise a game plan for Seahawks victory. Hopefully this time around, that game plan can come to fruition and the Seahawks can get back in the win column. Hope you'll listen in. Go Hawks! If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.